0: Well, Boundless friends, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. We are at, oh, the second week of January, I guess. And I don't know if y'all know. Well, you should know by now because we're telling you about it. We are in the month of the 15th anniversary of The Boundless Show, which is like, I know some of you were barely born then, but it's all good. So, um, hey. Happy anniversary to us. Okay, later on for the inbox, a listener was recently financially scammed by someone on Instagram who posed as a well-known Christian leader. And they're like, how can I move on and prevent this from happening in the future? Well, we have a friend, Rhett Saunders, who is a cybersecurity expert, and he's going to weigh in. And then for our culture segment, our friend Robin Chambers, Executive Director of Advocacy for Children at Focus on the Family, is going to join us to take a look back at what has happened in the pro-life movement since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. What has happened practically? What does this look like? What are the facts? As well as what does it look like to still stay involved and care for dads, moms, and babies in the current climate so a great conversation and a hopeful conversation with her okay now for our round table though we are going to talk about because we are in january again and you know that i love personal growth topics productivity and so i've got katie casey and john here to talk about this hey you guys we are taping this when it is bona fide below zero outside here in colorado which is practically unheard of In Colorado temps, like for those of us who were born in Minnesota, it's like, tell me something I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the roads were a little bit weird coming out. So I think that I really appreciate them coming to the table and having this conversation. And now that we're in January, it's kind of a nice opportunity to take a breath and be like, looking ahead to the new year and what is it we always said this in 2021 because after 2020 we just kept saying you know that dumpster fire of we were like super negative so hopefully we can be a little more hopeful about what opportunities look like this year but we are going to talk about this because i feel like all of y'all have some good insights here so i want to talk first of all about last year Did you feel like you did anything in the realm of productivity last year? Were there any small wins? Were there any wins in general? Like, is this something that you feel you're gaining traction on, like getting better at this as you get a little bit older? Or what's your like landscape as far as going after productivity?
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm getting better at it over time, but it's so slow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I want it to be, I'm an all or nothing person. So I'm like, if I don't see all the growth I want to, then why bother? So I've been learning on that mindset over the past few years and how to still take the small wins. So one example from 2022 is um, I was addicted to TikTok, probably because of COVID. Mm. Thank you, COVID, for introducing me (laughs) to that. And I would spend two to three hours every night before bed watching tiktok videos and i love the humor so i'd just be laughing cackling in my room <laughs> so in 2022 i set a timer for 30 minutes and as soon as that goes off on my phone it kicks me out of the app and is like wow. you've reached your limit for the day and i'm like oh you're right it's 10:30. i should probably go to bed <laughs> <laughs> so that was one small thing that i did that i felt was a, a huge win for me because it helped with my social media habits
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's hardcore I mean, that's like, yeah, getting an app to help you with that. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I'm all for the technology and automation of what I can do and not, because I don't trust myself.
0: Mm -hmm. So, very nice.
1: Yeah, in the same vein, I'm the very
2: same way. It's like, if I don't see immediate results, I'm very much like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And so that's why sometimes like setting goals is hard for me. So I have to do like little tiny things. And so I did the same thing where I set like, I only get like one hour of social media a day and I made sure to set my timer. Um, for, or like make sure that I'm paying attention to my screen time. So on the iPhone, it tells you at the end of every week, what your screen time is. I try to keep it under three hours. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. Cause before it was at like six or seven hours, yeah. which so it is, it is yeah. not good. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Um, so I am proud to say that I have gotten it down to like three to four hours now, mm. which is nice
0: really good. So that's great. How about you, John?
3: Yeah, I definitely did in the area of my career Mm. for 2022. I was actually at the end of the year, able to get a promotion, which I had been working very hard for for a while. And it it was a big learning curve for me. I'm not going to lie, but one thing that I had to do to actually get more stuff done, I had to stop being a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, My boss told me something a while ago that really stuck with me. And that is that Sometimes it's better to get more done at 90% quality, 95% quality, than it is to get a few things done at 100. Mm -hmm. And beforehand, I was struggling really bad with taking so much time to do... Um, things really well, but I wasn't getting as much done as I needed to. And so 2022 was a big breakthrough year for me and that I learned to just say, okay, this is good enough. I'll send it off. This is good. I'll send it off. And um, so thankfully got a promotion.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Now, were you told like what some of the things were that you had to hit for the promotion or was this kind of like something that you determined in order to get a promotion? Maybe I need to do this, this and this.
3: Um, I think I was told a few things for sure, but i I guess about a year and a half, two years ago, I was uh, not keeping up. And so I was Mm -hmm. kind of sent a big warning Mm -hmm. (laughs) sign that, hey, if you can't improve your speed, then Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to keep up at all Mm -hmm. with what a promotion will entail. So it was more along the lines of that. I just um, I was trying really hard, but I wasn't getting nearly enough done. Mm -hmm. So I had to. For lack of a better term, I actually had to double <laughs> my productivity yeah. to be able to get it done. But thankfully, okay. uh, was able to over 2022.
0: Yeah, that's great. I yeah, I think for me, it came down to there are some things that people just take on as like, tasky things, or they I don't know, they can accomplish them very quickly, or else they maybe just ignore them altogether. But I have a couple things like specifically organizationally, another like one was, Or putting in folders all of my digital photos, like from I don't even know how many years ago that were just a train wreck coming off my phone, random dumps on various devices. And I'm like, I'm actually going to really pare these down, crop things, edit things, put them in file folders, categorize them, whatever – but I had to put those on to-do lists because that's not something I'm just like, the one thing I want to do this evening is start organizing some photos. And I have a couple of projects that are kind of like that. Um, so I had to put set little goals for myself, like of tonight, I work on this an hour, or this weekend, I do this two hours. or So I think that that helped me in that sense. Um, what is it like, what does it look like for you guys to set reasonable expectations of whether it's setting a goal or deciding to be more productive in something or do you have like a motivation behind it and then what how can you like take that motivation and make it reasonable and attainable
2: Well for me I try to set really broad goals nothing too specific okay. so that way a bunch of things can fall into that category and make me feel like I said like <laughs> it's very like all or nothing like you see yeah. I like okay. if I don't see immediate results then I just will give up so okay. for me i'll set something like i think last year one of the things was keeping my room cleaner mm. because that's something like oh yeah if i'm putting away my laundry at a you know decent time if i'm making my bed more if i'm picking up around me once a week then it feels more productive okay. um so when i do put those things into practice i feel really proud of myself it's like wow i accomplished something that was under this broad category
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah along those lines um i think i've learned when i'm too specific like for instance, with weight loss goals or something, then those feel unattainable or I, I'm much more like guilty if I don't get to it mm-hmm. or it's easier to make excuses. And um, versus recently, I think I've focused on more mindset around my goals and figuring out what is my why behind this and what are the actions I need to take. So for example, um, what would a healthy person do? Mm-hmm. and just focusing on that journey of like instead of looking at scale or measurements or whatever it is in the being healthier section i'm looking at how many fitness classes can i go to in a month mm-hmm. and that that goes back for me to the intrinsic motivation of just like why am i doing this versus um something that's more temporary that mm-hmm. isn't as helpful for me i would say um so yeah i'm i'm really about now the journey like what would someone who reads a lot of books do <laughs> um, right. or what would someone who is focused on their career do in this situation or i um, thinking through what would a healthy person do on a Friday night when all I want to do is eat pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I, I, I am definitely having that grace. So I think it comes back to um, having that, who am I as a person versus yeah. just goal oriented.
0: Well, it's mm-hmm. great that you mentioned that because I think one thing I always say, and I know I've said it here on the show before is that a goal has to be attainable and it has to be something that you have control over Mm -hmm. you know so i'll often only half jokingly mention you know when people say my goal this year is to get married and i'm like okay that really can't be a goal because you need to have another person Mm -hmm. involved in that and hopefully the lord as well so you have to get buy-in there and and even like when you're saying like health or fitness goals or weight loss or whatever even to say well i'm gonna lose 20 pounds Well, your body has to weigh in on that. But what you do have control over is I'm going to drink eight glasses of water a day or I'm going to go to seven workouts a week or I'm going to go. So -hmm. I think that is great, Um, Casey, a great way of framing that. How about you,
3: John? Really, to Casey's point, I definitely have to have a good reason why I'm striving to hit a goal if I'm really going to stick with it. Mm -hmm. I have found in the past because I love to feel productive. Mm -hmm. I love to feel like I'm getting lots of stuff done. But if I can't clearly define the reason why I'm actually striving to hit something, it's much tougher. Than it is if I know, okay, here's why I'm going to read this book. Here's why I'm going to the gym. I've been doing a lot more workouts lately on the elliptical machine. I just finally got up to an hour
0: oh, wow. recently.
3: Oh, and um, <laughs> it was pretty intense. The other day, I finally burned 900 calories in a workout. Oh, it was very, it yeah. was very tough. I mean, there were a lot of moments that I wanted to quit, mm-hmm. but we're in the winter season right now, and I can't really go out and hike a lot of the big mountains out here in Colorado, but that's because a big summertime activity. Mm -hmm. And my why for going to do the elliptical machine right now is because I want to hike the big mountains Mm -hmm. when summer comes around. So um, that's a big reason to keep me going, even in the moments where I'm halfway through the workout and I think, oh my gosh, all I want to do is stop.
1: Mm -hmm. I love Um, how you touched on the small goals to reach the bigger goals and how it builds, Mm -hmm. because I think that's really motivating for me too, of like one day I'll be able to do X, Y, Z because of the smaller goals i'm setting for myself so That's i really appreciate great, yeah. you talking
0: that up. well and sometimes like putting yourself in the future so that you can kind of look back and see that realized so like for example as john's doing 12 hours on the elliptical <laughs> doing, which is well, i'm the rest sure of what he's working up well. to yeah. yeah um realizing that <laughs> when i stand on the top of xyz peak i will realize that it will have been i i got here more easily as a result of having put in done the cardio and built up the endurance and the strength and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of anticipate that feeling of accomplishment and stuff is a great place to be. Okay, but we have to bring it down what what are your biggest distractions what is keeping you from being productive or from accomplishing goals clearly katie's not worried about it because she's doing really well with her phone and social or whatever but i don't know (laughs) what what are your biggest like hang-ups like if you said oh man i would just blaze away on this that or the other thing if it weren't for what does that tend to be for you
2: for me, I'm a yes person, so mm. if someone asks me to do something with them, my immediate answer is yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I tend to say yes a little too often and then not do the things that I'm supposed to be doing, like, mm. you know, basic, you know, cleaning, like anything to get me out of that, I'm like, <laughs> yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, that's the biggest hang up that I've learned, especially now that I'm out of college and like finding ways in adulthood to manage my time better, because now I have so much of it. Whereas when I was a student, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So it's it's harder for me to say no to those things. So the phone is definitely still a distraction. My goal for this year is to get down to two to three hours on my wow. phone instead okay. of three to four. Um, So
1: I wouldn't totally count that out. Okay. But I think the biggest thing is just
2: social life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes um, I have a hard time with comparison. So i'll probably be thinking about john getting 14 hours on the elliptical and i can <laughs> really get 30 minutes um so i'll be like why bother um no but i would say that's part of it though is saying well that that um i can psych myself out with mm. goals of if i can't get to it as quickly or as hardcore as soon as possible, then, um, it's harder for me to see the long term. So that's why I keep bringing it back to the mindset for me is <laughs> like, mindset is huge. Like, I tell myself lies all the time or, um, I I compare or have envy or things like that. Another thing, um, I'm just going to call it out, is Netflix because I really (laughs) like watching Netflix. And then I'm saying, but I'm not reading the books that I said I wanted to this year um, or I'm not studying for school. And um, that is something I know about myself. So it's easier to
0: kind of rein that in. But it's still such a challenge.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'll just call that out. I am just going to blame my roommate for any Netflix <laughs> or anything else. If, if you can blame shift something on someone else, I say just do it because it's very freeing if you can just <laughs> not take, it take responsibility for it. Yeah, I would not watch nearly – it's my roommate that's always finding new shows, and then she's like, oh, we got to watch this. And then I get sucked into it, and I'm not, like, saying no, I want to read a book or whatever. So I'm blaming her for that. But mm-hmm. I do have other things I have to work on, so –
3: I find that it's small things that end up becoming big things. And this Mm -hmm. is something that for 2023 is a goal that I'm really wanting to put a check on myself in. So things like listening to, um, I have an Apple music subscription, Mm -hmm. so, and I love Apple music. It's incredible, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I'll tell myself, Oh, it's been a long day at work. I'm going to listen to one song. One song turns into (laughs) two, two turns into four. Four turns into eight.
0: (laughs) So just like active listening, like you're there. So not multitasking, Uh... just like taking in a song
3: sort of Okay. (laughs) sometimes it's multitasking, but I tend to go from one song to another a lot. Okay. And since streaming services have come out, I've definitely been guilty of kind of getting the dopamine hit of changing songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll get halfway through a song and then all of a sudden I realize, Oh wait, no, actually I want to listen to this one and then I'll start that one. And then I go, Oh wait, no, I actually want to listen to this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then before you know it, an hour and a half has passed. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, Oh gosh, I've been, Well, you mentioned multitasking. I will text friends while while I'm listening to (laughs) music. So um, if you would consider that unproductive multitasking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say mine is everything. I mean, it's not even, it's ridiculous for me to even conjure up something else. Cause for me, it is everything and anything on my phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, and that actually we're going to talk about, think about this. Cause my question for you is what are you specifically going to try to tackle In 2023. What is what's at the top of your productivity or goal list? Um, For me, it has got to be my phone. Uh, To Katie's point, I feel like I often see nine plus hours on my phone. um, Screen time app. So that's not cool. But I feel like this is where I feel like, again, I have to get some recon on this because I'm like, does that mean like every time you pick it up or am I actually like, <laughs> every nine, I'm trying to give myself an out here. Well, you were on
1: Twitter anyway, it's hours. it's nuts. <laughs> and,
0: and part of it, it's so funny because it's not even like I am on posting things or doing things. I mean, it's like, for me, it is literally... Um, The number of people that I keep up with is way too many. I mean, I need to narrow the focus of people in my life because I feel so obligated to comment on everyone's stuff and like, oh, that's so cute, or thanks for reaching out or blah, 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 whether that's text or social media or whatever. And then two, I'm also obsessive about clearing out old emails spam notifications i don't even get notifications on my device and i'm still always like checking things and making sure that this is cleaned up and whatever and it's just like it's getting ridiculous so we're going to circle back on that uh later on this year and see how i do with that because we've now done about 17 shows on this topic and i need to actually start doing it so all right so that said what are you guys going after this year that's probably mine for the most part.
3: Mine would be a combination of two different things. One would be to focus in on an assignment when I'm doing it. Um, I'll give you a kind of a somewhat funny example. So Sunday is my day where I pretty much plan the week. I clean my email box out. I plan my days and I also budget for the week. Well, during the fall, (laughs) I'm in a fantasy football league. And so every couple seconds, I'm checking my fantasy football team to make sure that they're winning. And if they're down by five points or so. I'm thinking, "Oh, if this guy can just get a touchdown, then it will <laughs> it'll change everything for me." But awesome. I was convicted the other day because I recognized, wait a minute, that took me so much longer than it needed to because I was checking on a game that I have no control over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, focusing in on Um, assignments is a big thing for sure. And then I think consistency, Mm -hmm. I do enjoy reading a lot, but 2022, I was a bit inconsistent with how often I would read. I'd have weeks where I would just binge a book and then other weeks where I didn't read at all, Mm -hmm. but I find that it expands my mind and expands my vocabulary to just sit down and read and turn Mm -hmm. the phone off. And like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, not listen to Apple music the entire time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think just learning to get more consistent and then also when I'm doing a project, focus in on it. Mm-hmm. That's, good. That's really
0: good.
1: I was thinking besides the obvious of watching less Netflix, um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of my keystone habits is sleep mm-hmm. and I can trace a lot of my bad habits back to not having enough sleep. So my goal really is that seven to eight hours a night and just being really, um, cognizant of that when I say yes to obligations or the TikTok calling me on my phone. And um, because I've had like, problems with caffeine consumption, drinking too much coffee, just because I'm so tired, which doesn't help my productivity because I'm wired. So I do feel like just to be able to zone in. And also, I mean, it doesn't help with my... Um, Like when I want to work out, I have no motivation when I am sleep deprived too. So Mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of my issues, I would say, Mm -hmm. can be traced back to um, I just need to get like I need to to take care of my body first and foremost and um, make sure that my mind and everything is functioning properly. Mm -hmm. And it's like basics, but I feel like sometimes it's really hard to learn the basics. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's good.
2: Um, I think one of my goals, and again, it's very broad, but it's to do one productive thing outside of work per day. Oh, good. So that can be going to the gym. That can be making my bed. That can be cooking dinner for myself instead of going out. That can be wiping down the baseboards, because that's something that needs to be done. <laughs> so um, that's... I never
1: thought of
2: that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So my mom... I was on the phone with my mom the other day. She was like, yeah, how often do you clean your baseboards? And I was like... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you clean your baseboards <laughs> oh,
0: wow okay so
2: um it just little things because overall that'll help me keep with it just mm-hmm. seeing that i've made some kind of progress and it's broad and so many things can fit underneath that category mm-hmm. and then number two like i said my phone mm-hmm. i've noticed in the past couple of months it's so easy for me to just like pick up my phone and not realize that i'm doing it you know mm-hmm. like you just want it mm-hmm. it's natural to want it close yeah so um I'm trying to switch out some of my screen time for reading time because mm-hmm. I do love to read. And it's something like, especially now that I'm out of college, I have way more time to read for fun. Yeah. Um. So I set, like I have a Goodreads, I'm setting a reading goal. I think it's like 80 books this year. Nice. Yeah. Because I blew it out of the water awesome. last year with like 77 books. Okay. That's awesome. So I'm like, I can do 80. 80 I can do. That's fine. Wow. So I want to switch out an hour of my screen time per day for okay. reading. So I'm setting back my little time on social media thing on the iPhone instead of an hour to
0: 45 minutes. Yeah. Such good thoughts, you guys, man. I think as I think of that, because I feel like all of these things are things that are like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, it's going to be denying certain things until other things are accomplished, which seems so anti-adulting. Like, I think I want to be pridefully like, I'm an adult, I can do what I want. But I think I cannot functionally act and, and see progress without saying, for example... I will not touch my phone until I do my morning quiet time. Mm. I will not watch Netflix or watch something else until I have done two more hours of these dumb pictures, which am I ever (laughs) going to get these things organized? All the things that I think that I, I don't even not like doing them, but they're just things that again, time gets cannibalized. So those Mm -hmm. are such great ideas from you guys as well. Thank you all for weighing in. Those of you who are listening, man, we want to hear your ideas too. So hop over. Um, to our Instagram or our Facebook, wherever you find us on social and give us your own ideas um, on this week's show post. That's a fun way for you to start a conversation with us. So cool thoughts, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Thanks. You, Thanks for having me. He's seen
4: how I stumble and fall. I rise up, awaken in spite of it all. I call on his name to wash my sins away in what he decides about me is righteous and fair give me eyes to see i've been missing the mark i've only met him halfway and it's only because of his love i am
0: folks, for this week's culture segment, um, because we are in not only a new year, but also Sanctity of Human Life Month, which is in January, uh, we want to circle back around. You may remember it was a few months back where we had um, our dear friend Robin Chambers, along with John Stone Street, talk about the ramifications of the Dobbs decision uh, related to the Supreme Court and the issue of abortion. Well, we thought Hey, we might need to pull Robin back in here and get an update on this because now that it's been boots on the ground for some months and we're in a new year, we're thinking this through, um, it would just be fantastic to get the latest and the greatest. So Robin, welcome back to The Boundless Show. Thanks, Lisa. It's always fun to be with you. Super fun to be with you, um, especially when it's not just in a random uh, bathroom in this building. (laughs) That's usually where I see you. So, Mm. whoa, that was a little bit much, Uh, a lot of info there. But anyway, we won't go any further with that. That said, um, we want to get down to brass tacks here because we know, I mean, we did, we talked a lot about this at the time. Clearly your team, even more so than, than us at Boundless, but it was quite a wild and almost in some ways unanticipated decision by the Supreme Court. And of course, there had been some leaks in the spring of like, what was going to come down? What was this going to look at, like? And then we got the ruling in June. I think it was mid-June. Mid, yes. Okay. And then since then, we've been living life and seeing the fallout and seeing the everything from the elation to the anger, depending on what side of this camp you were on. But I want to ask you kind of as we as we start, give us the a reminder of what the facts are of the ramifications of this case, because I think there's been a lot of misinformation about, oh, my word, abortion is now illegal in the U.S. Um, this is so bad for women and children. This is a personal rights issue. This is what actually did this decision make happen in our country, both on the federal level and the state level?
5: The one thing to really remember is that there was no protection in our Constitution, the way it was written before this all started being argued and debated. Mm. There was no protection for a woman's right to an abortion. That was not a constitutional right. So when Judge Alito came out with his statement, that was what it boiled down to was the constitutionality of abortion. And he was so clear in what he was saying. Just a reminder, he kept saying to the, you know, the, the American people, just a reminder, there is no protection in our our constitution to the right to have an abortion, and so really, what that started was this anger, like you said, that you know the anger over women's rights being taken away, um, the anger over now we don't have health care, all the way to ooh, we've won, and kind of everything in between. And so, one of the things that we start talking about with that misinformation. And uh, It's very fear-based, you know, of the pro-abortion side, wanting women to think that their rights were taken away. There's no longer access to abortion. We're going back to back alley abortions. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth, Lisa. Um, abortion is illegal in several states. We have 13 states that not necessarily have made it illegal, but there's restrictions. Um, take Texas, for instance. Texas has a restriction after six weeks, abortion is illegal. And so we've seen kind of a variation, um, you know, we say we have 50 battlegrounds now instead of just one because every state is different and you're going to see that probably over the next couple of years. And so what that means for your listeners and focus on the family is just being really aware of every state, what they're doing and really making sure that we're getting truth and facts about the laws out. And that's one of the things we work at uh, really diligently with our public policy team and making sure that what we're presenting to the American people are the facts and it's not fear based. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important to remember. Do your, your due diligence as an individual and really look up the, the lo- really the laws in your state and what
0: that means to women yeah, <laughs> as a whole. So what would you say, like, in these last seven months, you know, looking back on kind of how this went down and how it's trickled down and, and in the states and what you've even heard in the culture and beyond and, and even from, um, centers across the country. What's been your biggest encouragement from seeing, um, the, how this has played out? And then what's been a disappointment or something that was surprising to you and how really, how women and others have been responding? I think my biggest disappointment is the pro-abortion side to drive fear
5: in women specifically regarding their health, like the, the health of the mom. Mm. You know, we've heard that, that exception. And so I've seen, I've seen it in print. I've seen it um, in newscasts, radio, um, that even that is being taken away. And there's nothing further from the truth in that. In fact, I, I brought um, something from the Charlotte Lozier Institute and it's actually on Focus's main webpage um, where it just talks about all of those exceptions. They is in every single state, all 50 states, there's an exception for the health of the mama, especially talking about ectopic pregnancies and ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that's developed outside the uterus, outside the womb incompatible with life. And often if it's not addressed, the woman can die that mama can die. There is an exception for that. And so using that fear to drive a woman's decision to me is exploitive. That mm-hmm. is not truth. Um, women are being lied to. That's a big, big disappointment. The other thing I'm seeing is the church is stepping up to say, okay, you know what? We don't want to get into the political side of this. I agree with that. But what they're saying is, let's get into the life side of this. How do we come alongside that young woman in that situation where she's in that unplanned pregnancy, unexpected pregnancy, to say, how can we serve you long term? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of judging her, they're now becoming kind of a respite, that safe place for her to go to. And that's a good thing that has come out of kind of this, this conversation and the disagreement um, of churches stepping in and saying, we are welcoming you. We have churches that are saying they are a sanctuary church for life. You know, you hear different states saying we're a sanctuary state for abortion. And now we're hearing churches saying, nope, our state, our church, our congregation is a sanctuary for that woman and her child. So. Great outcome, you know, Mm -hmm. on that side of it. And it's really easy to say the church hasn't done enough. And I feel like that's a bit, um, a little bit aggressive, I think, in saying churches haven't done enough. I think churches are doing an amazing job. We just haven't really seen that because they're quiet
0: in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that, because I feel like there's more of a I'm seeing more really creative means of addressing, you know, the, the care for women, for children, for families at a local level. How are churches and pregnancy centers and other places getting more creative in the ways that they're reaching out into the community and beyond?
5: A lot of what we're hearing in our team with advocacy for children through our social media is churches saying, I know there are pregnancy centers, but I don't know how to find one. So how do I find one? So now they're being proactive and saying, let me connect with that pregnancy center, because then after she chooses life that church now becomes her respite, that support that she's desperately needing. Um, The pregnancy center is not intended to be her church. The executive director of that pregnancy center is not her pastor, but churches are now taking that initiative to say, let's connect with that pregnancy center. And maybe we're the ones that take on their material resources. And she comes to us for, for, cribs and diapers and formula and, you know, all those different things. And then the older women in the church are really stepping into that Titus commandment of saying the older women in the church now are mentoring the younger women. And so it is a way for people to get involved without it being that political side Mm -hmm. of things. Um, And we hear people say, oh, I could never be in the pregnancy center as a counselor. What if I said something wrong? Well, now this is a way for them to get involved and come alongside
0: in a really practical way. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I do want to back up and have you help me understand a couple things because there are two, I feel like this is when we, when we talk about the abortion debate or where this is playing out in the public square, there are two things that just like flabbergast me. One is that, Um, we're hearing a lot, especially post jobs about like the government shouldn't have a right to interfere with my body or keep the government away from my body. This should be between a woman and her physician. And I don't understand. Help me to understand why the personhood of the baby is still not when when everyone's all blown up about science and how science reveals things. Why? I mean, short of, let's just say we can talk about the enemy here. Okay, so let, we'll talk about that right. short of Satan just being pretty crafty. Mm-hmm. But why in the world? I mean, are there any feelers going into or were we seeing any movement in that direction? And my other question is, um, you know, Robin, that this fall, I had the privilege of emceeing our local pregnancy centers, um, big fundraising gala, and it was super fun. And just the stories were amazing, amazing. But they showed something about like, Um, internet searches being suppressed for women searching for um, abortion resources, for women searching for answers, whatever, and all of a sudden, pregnancy centers and Christian-based resources are not showing up. Talk to us a little bit about how can both of these things even be happening in the 21st century, and what are we doing as a church to really step into that conversation? Great
5: questions. let me go back to the first one. Why isn't the child being given um, personhood, the right Mm -hmm. to life? That's part of the disinformation that's out there in the media. Keeping in mind, when you are up against a giant that has endless supply of dollars to do digital client marketing, they're winning, they being the pro-abortion side, are winning in that space as far as dollars being spent. So when you have that kind of... Cappy, if you will, that kind of um, authority in that space. And all you're talking about are women's rights. That's what's being told to these young women that your rights are being taken away. This is health care that you're being denied. That becomes the rhetoric and the baby's never talked about. Mm-hmm. And so that is part of what we can do in the pro-life community is really start talking about both the woman and her child. Um you know, the, the kind of that argument of my body, my choice really doesn't hold much water because it is a separate body mm-hmm. within your body, separate <laughs> DNA that you have from the very moment of conception. Mm-hmm. And so really taking an opportunity to use science to, to cement that argument. So again, it's really being, you know, talked about in that media space. Um, and when you have an entire culture, this, We've kind of become this all about me culture. And so that has become this almost a subculture of that conversation of, well, of course, it's all about me. And so the baby doesn't have rights until the baby's born. So we've got to really work on changing that argument. Second, uh the censorship. Let's just call it what it is. So about two years ago, Focus on the Family um, launched something called the My Choice Network. We deliberately use the word choice because we feel like when you go to a Planned Parenthood, you're not given choices, you're given one option. So when you go to a pregnancy center, they do talk about all three of the choices. So wanting to try to compete with what's being done in that digital client space, you know, as far as marketing to women that are really at risk for an abortion. I can't go dollar for dollar, but I can go to different platforms. We have been censored on Google. Google owns a lot of the kind of those search terms, abortion, abortion near me, that type of thing. So we do a very different model. We have a different strategy, different platforms that we go to so that we are not suppressed. Um, There is a lot of pressure coming out of DC, uh, calling our pregnancy centers fake clinics. And so one of the things we're working really hard on is is showing that these pregnancy centers have licensed medical professionals. There's nurses, there's docs, there's RDMS, the sonographers. It, it really is women's healthcare and what it's meant to be is to really serve her. So it's messaging, messaging, messaging. <clears throat> so as far as the censorship, just working around that, being smarter, um, we actually have a team that outside of focus that we work with, and they watch. Planned Parenthood by AdWords and different things. So when they're going that direction, we go a different direction so that we aren't censored. A lot of what we do is deliberately using words that are not red flagged. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the algorithm and that's the AI that's going on to say, Oh, they're talking about abortion pill or abortion pro reversal. And so a lot of what we do is women's information, women's right to know, and it's all about women's empowerment. And by doing that, we've been able to really circumvent a lot of that. Uh, Censorship, And then your third was the church and what they're doing. Um, we have been able to get a lot of digital resources to our churches. Um, one of the things that my team works really hard on every year for Sanctity Month is sermon outlines for churches to talk about this in a way that is not judgmental. Um, But factual and informational and really empowering um, to women. And so that's something that we we will continue to do, even in a kind of a post Dobbs or post row world Mm -hmm. is
0: continuing to equip pastors and churches to step into this. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so in this, I mean, it makes me think of, as you're saying about, like, what does it look like to speak, you know, non-judgmentally and to really present the facts, but also present that that compassion and care. There is so much emotion on both sides of this issue, and clearly lives are at stake and people are very, you know, I mean, there are arguments on both sides that are being made. How can we as Christians best step into the conversation Without losing our minds about, I mean, I feel like this is, we've talked about this so much at Boundless, whether it was around the election, or it was around COVID, or it was around, it's like, everyone is so worked up about everything. And then we end up just yelling across platforms at people, and not really having the right verbiage or having the right heart or attitude or tone. What is a better way for us to do this, both in a more public space and also one-on-one, maybe with our our friends or a woman who is considering abortion?
5: One of the things that we work really hard on um, internally is that tone and that message, um, knowing that people who are listening, Lisa, you could have people listening today that have had that decision in their past. Mm -hmm. How does it help that person, man or woman, to throw out words like murder and kill, We're just adding to the shame and the guilt that they're already carrying around. So our goal with advocacy for children is to always use tone message and wording that opens the door for conversation. I don't want to be seen as someone who's yelling my, my thoughts and my opinions. Um, I want to say, congratulations, you're going to be a mom. How can I support you? And then ask questions, give that person the opportunity to tell me to tell you where they are in their life. What's the situation Mm -hmm. that that, to me, opens that that conversation, that door to say, I can be compassionate and listen to you. I'm not going to agree with you that abortion is your only answer. But maybe if I listen more and yell less and judge less, then I can find a way to support her. So it's really important that we stop before we speak. Think about where that person is in that journey and see how we can come alongside and support. You know, Anecdotally, we have women that will say, if I had one person that would have said, I'll go through this pregnancy with you. They would have made a different decision Hmm. instead of saying, oh, I'll go to the abortion clinic with you. Mm -hmm. How would if we're that one person that says, I'm sorry you're in this
0: situation where you don't feel like you have support. I'll support you. How can I help? Let's make a plan. Yeah. And I think that Christians so often err on the side of we care rightly so about the baby that we tend to ignore. We just end up being like, well, you need to just make the right decision like Mm -hmm. to the parent Mm -hmm. without acknowledging that. Uh, yeah, there might be some things that you're going to walk through that are super hard, or you're maybe going to have to give up some stuff, but mm-hmm. how can we step in and surround you? Um, mm-hmm. I'm reminded of, um, a while back when we had, um, a couple on here on the Boundless Show who had to make that decision as high schoolers finishing mm-hmm. out their high school career. And for them, it was really, what dreams are we going to have to give up or at least put on hold for this? And it was a very hard decision. They both had college plans. They both, and they made the decision to keep the baby and both worked in coffee shops and are doing their degrees online and stuff. And it was just such a neat story, but it was they were like we had to sit in the hard reality of if we're gonna make this choice, it's mm. it's gonna be hard. But for them, the game changer, not surprisingly, was um their local church coming around them and saying, We're gonna make this successful and they didn't buy diapers for the first two years of their baby's mm. life and they had got a huge shower with all their big items provided and it was like, We've got you, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be able to do this and I think that's a story that's not often told enough.
5: I love that of having that hard conversation and the reality of it is hard. You don't give up your dreams, but I liked what you said about maybe you postpone those for mm-hmm. a little bit. You it's, can still have shift those. them a little bit. Yeah. And then just the reality that that parenting is hard, regardless of the situation and having someone who comes alongside
0: is a huge change in that kind of that decision tr- process of choosing life. Yeah. Such a big deal. Okay. So in our last few minutes here, Robin, give our listeners an idea of how we can start getting involved in this new social landscape, in what's going on in communities, like what on a Saturday can we do when we're not, you know, or whenever. I mean, like you said, the person who's like, well, I can't do this because I don't have all the arguments, or I can't be a counselor, or I'm not a medical professional, I'm just an accountant, or I'm just a whatever. What are some practical ways for listeners here to get involved in the pro-life movement where they can feel like, this is, this is my jam. This is a way I can contribute. Not to be overly churchy,
5: um, (laughs) but the, really the most important thing is to pray for really to pray for the pregnancy centers. Mm. They are under attack right now. We've seen that, you know, after the Dobbs decision came out, we had over 60 pregnancy centers who were attacked by a group called Jane's revenge. And so they really do desperately need, you know, our prayers. And so first and foremost, pray for those people. Um, But even more so, I liked what you said about I can't be in the counseling room or that type of thing but you could be the one that goes in and you, maybe you teach a parenting class or maybe you're, you know, a young man listening. It could be a dad mentor. You know, it could be someone who says, you know what? I have a Saturday where I can go serve a single mama. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mow her yard. I'm going to fix her car. You know, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Be very intentional about what you're doing and how you're getting involved. The pregnancy centers will always take your phone call. You can always go through and ask what's your greatest need. Mm -hmm. Tell me how I can serve you. Trust me. There's lots to be done. Be very intentional, be very deliberate in what you're doing. Maybe you're the one at your church that says, you know what, I'm going to have an embrace grace group, or I'm going to have a Saturday morning where single mamas can come drop their kiddos off and they have two hours to themselves to maybe do nothing. We're not asking pastors to only be the person who really has a robust pro-life program. It can be the church body who steps in, but it takes work it takes being very deliberate and sometimes it's messy and Mm -hmm. and be okay with that. Be okay with stepping into the messy and just show up.
0: Yeah, that's good. There is something for everyone. I remember a friend of mine who, um, for a a long season, answered phones at her local pregnancy center because she's like, yeah, you know, I'm single. I've never been pregnant. I You know, there's a lot that I maybe don't personally identify with, but I know how to answer a phone and and I know how to. And so that was really cool. um, And just being able to be that person who is willing to creatively enter into that and see, like you said, you know just call and ask or work through your church or whatever. And I think sometimes, especially for younger adults, those of you listening, maybe grab a friend or two friends and do something, you know, where several of you are volunteering or starting something or doing childcare or whatever. Um, there's really a lot more fun in numbers when we can join <laughs> together and make that happen. So, well, Robin, thank you so much for weighing in on this and giving us a really important uh, update for the coming year. We appreciate thank you, Lisa, it. Thank for the
5: conversation. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Okay, well, folks, um, we are going to link to Option Ultrasound. I referenced that at the beginning here. Um, Information about the work that they do, the pregnancy centers they have across the country. If you go to boundless.org, just search for 780. That is this week's episode. And you're going to see actually that as well as other resources we've mentioned, some stuff that Robin talked about. So it will all be there at your fingertips and we'll make that available to you. And again, bring this conversation up with with friends and, you know, know, within your church, within your circle of friends, maybe your small group, uh, you never know what together you can do uh, for this. So it's awesome.
4: You speak your word, I feel it move my heart. Lord, I speak my prayer to heavens where you are. since
0: This house of well, folks, as we finish out the show, we open up our inbox, and with that, we answer one of your questions. And you know, if you're a longtime listener, that usually these are around, like, dating and relationships, or, like, my parents are driving me crazy, whatever. But once in a while, we get some that are a little more, like out in the world of biz or whatever and so today this week is kind of an example of that and uh, i have got actually um, a friend and colleague ret saunders here he's a cybersecurity and infrastructure expert which will kind of give you a hint as to what today's uh, question is about so ret welcome
6: thank you lisa
0: All right. Um, Well, I'm going to read this and and let you take a stab at it because I'm just like baffled. Okay. Our listener says, I was recently scammed financially through Instagram by a user posing to be a well-known Christian pastor and worship artist. I was told that God had led them to my profile, and that's why I was messaged. They would check in on me daily and ask for any prayer requests. They also used Bible verses to make me feel guilty whenever I didn't donate to their causes. I lost a large chunk of my savings through donating to the scam. I'm now going through the aftermath, processing the trauma, and attempting to recover funds through financial authorities. I'm quite upset despite opening up to my family, the police, and fraud investigation teams. I blame myself a lot, and I really find it so hard. What would you advise for me moving forward?
6: Well, first, I I am so sorry that, um, that this happened to you during a trying time in your life. And uh, fraudsters, unfortunately, do not care about who they impact and who they seek to extort as much money as possible from. So as a cybersecurity expert, um, I still can fall for these scams. And uh, the little secret that most cybersecurity experts don't say out loud is that they received their battle scars through falling for many of these scams and really have become battle-hardened over time. So really... You know, we are experts of sharing with you how to avoid these types of scams. And I, I personally have fallen victim to these scams, as well as my own uh, late father, who actually uh, experienced loss as as a result of identity theft. And it was later in life that uh, we reconnected as a father and son. And uh, this was something that he had reached out to me regarding um, identity theft, And he said, son, you know, apparently they got everything. They got my uh, social security number, my driver's license number, and I don't know what to do, and I know you're in this world, and uh, I need help. And so I I helped him through that process by uh, giving him what I'm going to share with you, steps that you can take to help uh, overcome this and, and also to protect you and your family going forward. So the first thing I would recommend is, Absolutely. If you do not have identity theft insurance to go ahead and get that now, even after the fact, if you already have identity theft insurance like LifeLock or Xander Insurance or, uh, you know, any credit card company offers this, go ahead and let them know what happened. You also want to report this to your local police precinct, as uh, many companies uh, that you report identity theft to will ask for a police record. So you're going to want to reach out to your local precinct for that. Other steps you can take to protect yourself is to lock down your uh, credit bureaus. Uh, That is applying for a permanent security freeze with the four credit bureaus. Now, three we are very familiar with. They're Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. The other one is InnoVis. InnoVis is one that most people aren't familiar, but this one is for obtaining department store credit. So I absolutely recommend to uh, lock down your credit with them as well. So as it relates to Instagram, I would absolutely report this through Instagram, let them know what happened, and obviously um, allow them on their end to also take action against any kind of fraudster that scammed you out of any kind of money and try to also recoup um, that money on your behalf. But work through Instagram and make sure that you get that police report uh, filed. And really, my greatest prayer is that this does not discourage you uh, with your walk with God. Yeah,
0: that's such a great point. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are good tips to for what people can do. I think a lot of times no one assumes, obviously, that this is ever going to happen to them. And then before you know it, it's like, It does. And you're like, exactly as our listener said, I just feel so ashamed. How in the world could I have fallen for this? You know, I've heard about this before, but it is super tricky nowadays to walk through this. I mean, people are savvy. People are building fake sites. They're building, you know, they've got um, designated numbers that are coming from obviously designated social accounts. And so um, I appreciate you, you know, compassionately addressing that, Rhett, and giving some good practical advice uh, for moving forward. So thanks so much for weighing in. Thank you, Lisa. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. As always, we do want to hear from you, so write to us at editor at boundless.org with a question you might have, even if it's a unique one like the one we answered today. And we will hopefully uh, get back to you and even feature that question on our show. So until then, I will see you around next week. This is Lisa Anderson with The Boundless Show. The
4: Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.